0: This is Age. First off, I would like to thank Eric Gunderson for being on the show. It was a really fun time. Lots of cool information being shared. This show is sponsored by Evanem. You can check out his stuff at evanem.com. That's E-V-A-N-E-M.com. And if you use the promo code HOLYBACKWORD at the checkout, you'll get 20% off of all Blazers-related gear, which is the Dame Time Tees, Dame 503 Tees, and PDX Snapback Hats. So thank you, Evanem, for supporting this podcast. Let's go!
1: All right, everybody, welcome to the 32nd edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin, live from Rip City, and I got my man,
0: Sage, chilling, kind of messed up the first part of this podcast, I'll admit it, but we're back, ready, and I'm really excited for our guest.
1: We do. We have a fantastic guest on tap tonight to talk trailblazers. He is none other than Eric Gunderson of the Columbian Blazer Beat Writer you also may know him as Blazer Banter on the interwebs, Eric. It is 11:19 on a Wednesday night. The Blazers just lost by 21 points, 102 to 81, to go 0-2 in the series. Yet here we are, talking Trailblazers. That is dedication. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: It's, it's time for us content people to step our games up. It's playoff time. Uh, so I'm here to you know try and step up, but you guys are obviously doing most of the work, but I'm happy to join you guys and talk some playoffs while the playoffs are still here.
1: That's true. It could be a very short window of playoff basketball if our Trailblazers don't pick it up. Uh, two games away from elimination, and to be honest, it felt like if Portland was going to win a game in Los Angeles that was the one they were going to have. You, you might wake up, if you're on the East Coast, look at the box score and say, no way, what are you talking about? This game was within reach. If Portland would just make a a wide-open shot, they would have stolen this game and all momentum, but they just couldn't take advantage of it. It looks like the stage is a little too bright for them. Uh, would you uh, agree or disagree with that statement, Eric?
2: Yeah, I would agree with it right now. I, I'd have to. It seems like everybody except for Gerald Henderson... Dame didn't shoot well tonight, but he took 20 shots. He was up to the task. I don't think he's scared. I just don't think none of the other guys like Aminu has not been up to the challenge. He's been dared to shoot threes before and has made them, just not making them at all. It looks like it's in his head a little bit. Alan Crabb has been a non-factor. It's just been you know, lots of guys that you would have expected to step up haven't stepped up. And uh, the big men also have just been completely dominated Uh, Plumlee was a nice uh bonus tonight for the blazers though that he woke up when they're doing well Plumlee's usually on the court
0: it seemed like he was always in no man's land when they ran that pick and roll with cp3 and deandre jordan like he would sag too far to even be effective for those rim runs it was it was really weird watching him play defense tonight even though he did get like three steals a lot of those baskets that he gave up were just super easy
2: yeah, I mean that's just that's the way you have to deal with with him. Like it's just he's not a good really like a good protector of the paint. He gambles sometimes and he can kind of, you know, get steals like he did and he's a great passer, ball mover, but you know, he's not a I don't think the Blazers really have anybody that's like a truly a great defensive big. You know, Ed Davis has been solid, but he's not like a true yeah.
0: You know. He helps you,
2: yeah, you guys got I mean.
0: help defense, but like as a true post defender not, not really. But man, it was a it was a very irritating game for me just to watch the bad defense, the missed jumpers.
1: There you brought up a great point and there was a time when Deandre, it was in the second half, back tipped it out, they got the possession. He was already heading back down court, another big set of screen for JJ Redick. And Plumlee's still hanging out in the paint. He doesn't come up and contest a shot, and that's that's a layup for, for Redick. And, yeah, you can chalk that up to just uh, Stotts' defensive philosophy. He does like to sag back and protect that paint. But it just seems like Portland didn't make the little plays that they had to. Uh, there were times when they lost loose balls. It, it, everything that could have went wrong for Portland did. Uh, but, yeah, Plumlee did have a nice night, almost a triple-double. Uh, 17 points on 5 of 7 shooting, 10 boards, 7 assists, no turnovers. Uh, You have to give credit to Coach Stotts. He did make an adjustment there and ran more of the offense through Plumlee. And you can't really blame this one on Terry Stotts. We've been critical of him in the past, but he made the adjustments. And Portland got fantastic looks. I I don't know how many better looks you're going to get. All you can hope for right now if you're a Trailblazer fan is if the series shifting up to your home court in Portland magically gets those shots to fall maybe it's a comfort level for reserve players who typically play better in front of the home fans and uh, I think if they can just get a couple to fall that will just kind of loosen whatever monkey is on their back because they've got to be feeling the pressure right now
2: yeah I mean they're not uh 19 percent three-point shooting team like they were tonight, you know, and and I think that that's something that, you know, they, they really, you know, can take a little solace in. And also, I mean, you, you brought up coming home. I mean, it, it shouldn't be a shock to anyone, but they have a higher offensive rating at home by almost, by almost six points, you know, per 100 possessions. They have a higher – effective field goal percentage at home, true shooting percentage, everything, assist rate, everything that has basically been going wrong in this series, not getting enough guys shooting threes, not getting enough assists on threes. You know, Dame in game one, his, his game against CP three doesn't look half as bad if they get guys to hit shots. He had eight assists and nobody could hit an outside shot outside Gerald Henderson. So I think this series is still kind of close. Definitely not as bad as Memphis series last year.
1: Um, I think, you know, the Cayman, what do you guys think about the Cayman thing? I think Stotts right now is playing every single card that has been dealt to him. Uh, he didn't get the be- the best of hands as game one unfolded. So, you know, he kind of went to the discard pile and, you know, looked at Cayman that he had. I think Cayman in spurts is fine. Uh, what we saw tonight was a little more of why he shouldn't play as much. He went ISO on DeAndre tried to throw 17 pump fakes at him like he was a, uh, an older veteran playing rec league, you know, trying to bully some dude. And then, you know, <laughs> I think it was Wesley Johnson came over and sent that back. I just about, I threw my hands up in disgust after that. You have to pass the ball. And Chris Kamen is good at doing that when he's on the perimeter. But once he starts dribbling, and we saw that last year when he was getting a lot of minutes, he gets tunnel vision. And teams know that. It's not like all of a sudden Chris Kamen is a young Zach Randolph in 2003 <laughs> when nobody knows what to expect from him. He's been around the league. He was even a clipper. They know. Scouts know, especially with the internet and all the data available that the NBA provides. They know what you're going to do. So it it may have caught him by surprise in game one. Uh, I don't necessarily think it's going to be a huge factor moving forward.
0: I mean, if we know dude loves to dribble and isn't very good at dribbling, the scouts got to know that.
1: A, A major key is fourth quarter scoring, and it was just a... Six-point game. It was still, even though it felt like Portland was not going to win the game, six points is still two three-pointers, and you're right back in it. Portland gets outscored 35-20, to 20 and those wheels, they came off, and they came off in a hurry. Um, it didn't just seem like it was all downhill. And it, for me, as a fan, it was painful to watch that game. Like You can't turn it off because you know you support your team, you ride or die with them, but to actually sit there and watch that game, like it's like watching a bad event unfolds before your eyes and there's nothing you can do about it. You know, the ending before it's there. And, uh, I just hope that they start making shots because that's the most frustrating thing. Game one, you're upset because they're not getting good shots. They're not working the ball around game two. They had some great ball movement, but it was like there was cellophane on that rim.
0: Yeah,
2: it was, uh, they just, yeah, I mean, really, it sounds, you know, That's basketball. You got to make shots, especially in the NBA playoffs. It sucks that they don't have Myers Leonard. Uh, You know, I think that that was a guy that could stretch the floor. Him and Ed Davis, which we kind of saw like a thrift shop version of that with Kamen and Davis tonight, like trying to get like some offensive skill out of the big man position. They just don't have it. And I think the Kamen thing was interesting. It may have, I don't know if they necessarily are going to go back to that. And I think maybe. What stats should probably consider doing next. If I, you know, I, I've written this before, I thought this was an option before in the series, is forget trying to match what they have. You know, make it a weird series. Like put Aminu at center, like they've done against the Warriors before, and, 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 sp- take DeAndre away from the basket and just even though Aminu is shooting 25%, if your center's shooting threes and bringing DeAndre out, like, I mean, they might as well do it. You know, I I think Harkless has shown, Harkless and Henderson both kind of look okay guarding Blake. You know, I I think it's something that they have to consider uh, just because I don't think that came in is really the answer. And I, and especially when they're, when they're playing the second unit, when Cole Aldrich and Jeff Green are in there, they really should consider going small. I know Aminu plays a lot of minutes and so does Harkless, but if they can just redo the rotation just a little bit, maybe get Crab in there early for Aminu or something, you know, to to make, uh, you know, to shift the rotation, I I think that's something that they should look at is trying to make the game smaller and and speed it up somehow because I don't think they can match up with the Clippers.
1: I I agree with that, and I do think Stotts is going to have to pull something, you know, out of his sleeve to... Manufacture a, a win or two, and maybe it is going small. Two questions: If you're moving to Aminu to the five, and you want to keep Parkles on the floor, who do you have at the three? And then to, the, to your point about Aldrich and Jeff Green, Aldrich has been a nightmare for the Trailblazers to deal with. Uh, whether it's just bullying our guys out of the way, or you know back tipping a la Marcus Camby. If we go small. My only concern is we're not going to be able to ever grab a defensive rebound. I know the rebounds tonight say it was 52 to 52, but whenever we needed a board, it felt like they got it.
2: Yeah. And here's the thing, though. You know, are they getting those with Plumlee out there? Are they getting those with Ed Davis? Are they getting those with Kamen? And I think that that's the thing that they've got to realize is that they're not. And I think that their best chance is, I mean, you see it with, I hate to be that guy that's comparing this to Golden State, but you kind of see it sometimes, like, when your five is six, nine, and can move, he's really hard to box out if he's at the three point line. And Like him and Harkless, Harkless and Aminu are both really good offensive rebounders. And when they're stretched out to five and they all of a sudden have to worry about covering the entire court, you know, that could also open up some avenues to get offensive rebounds where maybe, you know, you wouldn't think that that would be a potential advantage. I think defensive rebounding, though, is going to be the place where, you know, they really have to, it has to be five guys team rebounding the question. But at this point, you know, they got to take risks.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is not a time to be bashful and go chalk. Might as well try something. If it works, that's fantastic. Might as well try it.
1: And you're right. Portland is eight quarters away from being eliminated and sent home for for the summer. So why not try something? What I think the Trailblazers need to do in Game 3 is get off to a good start. You look in Game 1, they score 21 points. And then tonight, 17 points. They shoot 8 of 26 from the field, which is 31%. 1 of 6 from 3, 17%. Especially at home, if you come out and start like that, it's going to become the Memphis series because that's exactly how that series was. Memphis controlled that game from the tip. Uh, We fought back somehow and won that game 4, but by then it was 0-3, and and no NBA team has ever came back 3 games uh, to 0. So Game 3, Portland needs to set the tempo And get out to a good start, like get 25 plus points, get that crowd involved, because I can already tell you as a fan who's going to be at the game, I'm not as excited as I once was. Yes, I'm going to go there. Yes, I'm going to cheer. But I can tell you the majority of the fans, they're going to be more of a a wait and see approach. It's going to be loud. The Portland fans love their team, but uh, they're going to need the team to provide something for them to get riled up as opposed to normal years when it's the other way around.
2: Yeah. It's, it's almost kind of like, uh, reminds me a little bit of the vibe when Dame was out and they're kind of going into the Cleveland game where everyone kind of walks in there like, eh, well, we're, you know, we're kind of root for the Blazers, but you know, I don't, I don't, well, we'll see, you know, we'll see if they hit some shots. So, I mean, when I went through all the series, I picked the Blazers just cause I, I thought that Aminu would make the Clippers pay and he just hasn't. And, Uh, he shot 36% this year and, uh, he's shot 25%. I worse than, I mean, worse than that. He was one for eight tonight. So after being two for eight last game, um, I, you know, it's in his head now. So I think all bets are off. I I think that's the the main issue now is that, you know, he's not hitting anything. And then AC can't get covered up by Jamal Crawford. Like if AC is, is getting locked down by Jamal Crawford, this series is over.
1: That is a great point that, Aminu is getting great looks, wide open looks. You want him to take those shots. He's taken, what, 15, 16, only made three. Uh, They're daring him to beat them. Portland needs him to play like he did against Boston. Alan Crabb, he's MIA. Put him on a milk carton. Hopefully somebody will find him because uh, zero points tonight, 0 of 3 field goals, no rebounds, no assists in 17 minutes. The box score says he played, but did he really? I mean, he was, where are you? Like, you're a restricted free agent looking to get paid this summer, uh, as somebody who looks at talent, I'm looking at the playoffs. How do you perform you know, in the limelight? And we need to get him going because he is arguably our third best three-point shooter. And if you want to sub him into a small lineup and get him open looks from three, he's going to have to knock those down. And we're going to need him to play huge. But I think the biggest, the reason the Clippers won tonight was the bench. Uh, Portland had no answer, and it makes me just shudder to say <laughs> Austin Rivers, uh, Jeff Green, Jamal Crawford, Cole Aldrich. 43-10, um, to 10, Portland got outscored on the bench. In the two games combined, L.A. has a 76-52 to 52 advantage. Don't be fooled by that 52. It's a little bit of fool's gold. Portland picked up a lot of garbage time points with their bench at the end of Game 1. So they the bench has been utterly dominating. And that's something I didn't expect coming into the series. I thought Portland actually had a pretty deep team, but uh, outside of Henderson and Game One, they they haven't shown up, and did, that's what they need.
0: Did you guys see that statistic on TNT where they said that the Clippers have like the highest scoring bench in the NBA?
1: I didn't know. I was watching a uh, KGW.
0: But I've, I'm flabbergasted that they are the highest scoring bench especially when teams like New Orleans are putting two of their three best players in off the bench. Second string, it's a bunch of meh and bad players. So them putting up numbers was super surprising, and them actually doing it in the playoffs is actually very
1: surprising. Well, backup point guards love to dominate the Trailblazers. It was Baino last year, now it's Austin Rivers this year. Uh, Maybe... We can play a series where a backup point guard doesn't just have a field day. And Austin Rivers isn't... Well, eating. hey,
2: go back to the Houston series even. Jeremy Lin, Jeremy had, that Lin g- had, that g- ha- had that game that kept them in the series, and Patty Mills went off. I mean, it- it's literally every series every that they've series. had.
0: Well, it would be <laughs> nice if we could actually defend a starting point guard as well.
1: They I did better, defense, I thought. I thought the defense was actually good this game. I mean, L.A. had to struggle to get to one 2 You look at Blake Griffin... He doesn't do much tonight, Uh, 12 points on 12 shots, only got to the line six times as opposed to the 12 in game one, only nine boards in 31 minutes. DeAndre was a complete non-factor on offense, three points. He had 18 boards, but uh, 13 of those were on the defensive end when Portland was shooting, like you said, what, 30%, throwing a ton of bricks. Um, Paul was aggressive, but he really got fire late, 25 points. And he only had five assists. If you would have said Paul has 25 points and five assists, I would take that. If you're keeping his assists low and he's taking 22 shots to get that 25 points, uh, Portland did a great job of guarding their starting five. They even covered uh, J.J. Redick fairly well after his great first quarter. Uh, He ends up with 17 points on almost 50% shooting and three triples. But uh, 11 of those points came in the first quarter. So it was really the bench. I thought Portland did a great job defensively, and their defense is what kept them in that game. um, Because had they played the Warriors, the Thunder, or the Spurs, and they put up that offensive performance, it probably would have been a 40-point loss.
2: Yeah, and a lot of people have... Yeah, you know, hand-wringing a little bit about CJ on J.J. Redick. I think he's been fine. I, You know, I don't think that he – I don't think that you could really do much better than what he's doing on J.J. Redick. I mean, he's one of the best guys moving without the ball in the NBA, probably the best. And and CJ has done a decent job. Redick had a better game tonight, hit more threes. But, you know, I, I think – yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong – This anything the starters, other than Aminu being awful from three – could do really that much better. I mean Damian obviously can shoot better, but you know the bench Ed Davis has been dominated. I know Blazers fans love him, but he's been he's been eaten up by Cole Aldrich in the first two games. Uh Crab has been I mean Henderson didn't really have that good of a game tonight. I just don't know, you know, where where they can really go here. I mean, do they do they try and match the two-point guard look with Jamal Crawford and Austin Rivers and bring in Brian Roberts? I mean, do, is that how they try and match up with with them a little differently? Uh, maybe get CJ a break or something? Uh, I, I don't really know here. Maybe, maybe you, if running things off the ball for Dame is working so well with the starting lineup to get him better shots— would putting Brian Robertson at point guard to do the same for CJ that could I think that's a maybe an adjustment that they can make. I I still like trying to make it five perimeter players but if you know Snots Snots isn't known or hasn't made the those big time adjustments really in the playoffs and I just feel like he might go with something a little bit safer like Roberts uh but uh, I'd like to see. I'd still like to see the Aminu thing, but you know, going to Roberts maybe is an option. That you know, I mean, it can't get much worse, you know. The, and, and and you know, Roberts can get buckets. That's yeah, the one. He, that's the one thing that he can do.
0: Yeah, he's always game to shoot. I like, watched Brian Roberts for three plus years in New Orleans. He likes to shoot.
2: Yeah, he's an efficient scorer in the pick and roll, and the Blazers just need a guy that can hit an open shot. And I, you know, Roberts kind of needs the ball in his hands, but like, give him a chance, you know. I, I mean, I think Roberts is probably a guy that they should dust off. They gave came in a shot. I think it was cool. It was fine, but you know, maybe they go with Harkless at four, Davis you know, Crab, CJ and, and Roberts and see where that takes you or, or I mean keep Henderson in there, whatever. But that that's other the other problem. I that, or maybe this is the solution. Maybe they go small with Aminu and then instead of, you know, making Harkless and play too many minutes, you bring in Roberts to kind of play in that second unit and, and you go small with Aminu there. Uh, you know, I, I think they have a lot of options here. You know, Roberts could be a, a way that they do that, though. I think I think he deserves a shot in this series, just like Kamen did, because Roberts, you know, like you said, Dylan, I mean, he's a pro. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and you're talking making shots, and you look at the stats, tied in rebounds, Portland actually gets plus seven fast break points, 18-11. Points in the paint, tied at 42, Uh, Portland does a great job keeping control of the basketball, 11 turnovers. They forced 10 from Los Angeles. It really came down to not being able to make a shot. They shot 31 of 91 for the game, 34%. And like you said, five of 26 from three, 19%. Why not put in Brian Roberts? Because all the other adjustments you've made worked. This game really came down to the ball did not go in the basket off of open looks. So you've got to look at other guys to see if they can hit that open shot because those players, you just, you know, they're interchangeable, you know, Aminu, Harkless, you sub another guy, they're going to be in that same position. Whether they make the shot or not is the difference. So I'm definitely up for seeing Roberts get some time. And if if Crab continues to be MIA, I wouldn't mind seeing Connaughton get those same open looks because he, yes, he's a rookie, but Allen's a young player too. Just see what you've got. Like, Like you said, like this is, drastic measure time time to throw the wood time to throw the kitchen sink at the clippers and see if anything sticks at the wall
0: so if Crab continues to play this poorly do you think his contract will get significantly less
2: i don't think so I mean, you know
0: just, just because of the the boom in salary everyone under the age of 29 is going to get paid in full and
2: I mean, and you look at his regular season stats, and you're like, "Hey, this guy, you know, shot really well all over the floor for the entire season, and you know, played pretty good defense all year." I I, I mean, that's worth a lot. Like, I mean, him playing bad in the series doesn't look good, but you know, teams are still out there trying to win, just trying to make the playoffs. And if you're a team, and if you're a team that doesn't have a guy that can even sniff what Crab's able to do. You know, you're gonna throw a lot of money at him. You know, I, I, I don't, you know, he's having, a, he's having a bad series, but I, I just not in this market. I don't think, I don't think this is gonna, like you said. I mean, everyone's getting, everyone's
0: getting paid. And he yeah. fits that profile of being a D and three player. I mean, he played four year college player, didn't get drafted high because of didn't have tremendous upside. Dude fits the profile of a D and three small forward, and there's plenty of teams that could use him.
1: There are plenty of teams, and GMs make dumb decisions all the time. We've seen bad contracts. The uh, Detroit Pistons, Jody Meeks. Uh,
0: we, Shout out to Tim Bauer.
1: It happens every single year, and I'm not saying Alan Crabb would be a terrible contract, but if I'm Neil O'Shea, I'm a little bit worried. If you look at his season splits, his numbers have dropped off significantly each month since that hot spurt uh, January and February, and then he's performing like this in the playoffs. I would have a little bit of... Um, Pause. Yeah, a lot of pause. If you're, if a team comes at him with a, uh, 10 plus million dollar contract, uh, that's, that's going to be tough because you love, you love crab and you love his length. He has great shooting form, but to me, he reminds me too much of Martel Webster, a player I invested deeply in, you know, we moved down to take Marty passed on CB three and Darren and Marty was a guy who scored 24 points in the quarter um, we've seen Crab have similar quarters, but then the next game he's getting three points. Um, definitely a valuable player on the team, but like Sage said, everyone's gonna get paid in full. If Allen doesn't maybe pick up his game and show more in the playoffs, might have to look another direction. That's just my opinion.
2: Yeah, I I just you know, I think part of it too you gotta take into account, you know, this is the most minutes he's ever played. It's like triple what he played last year or something like that. So, you know, this is also you know, guys Guys get in better shape, you know, as they progress in their career. And I think Crab will just, you know, I think that's just one thing that he's just going to have to get better at is that is he's just going to have to make sure his body is, is more prepared to take the beating. Because I think that's just what we saw is because his, his splits, like you said, they kind of went down after that start to the season when he was basically scoring in double figures every single night.
1: Yeah. But one player who I think uh, his stock is up significantly is Mo Harkless. Uh, He could easily play the three or the four starting for this team. Doesn't back down. Relentless as hell on the glass uh, is shown that he can shoot the open three. And uh, I would love to see Portland bring him back. I hope he doesn't get a huge offer from another team, but he might because he's got that first round potential. He was a lottery pick and he's getting his playing time. And I've been absolutely thrilled with him to think we got him for a pick that we're essentially never going to have to send to the magic was another, you know, check on the neil olshay uh you know hidden treasures list
2: yeah uh it it probably benefits the blazers that he was basically buried for most of the season uh and and was just kind of like a bit rotation player because that might you know some teams just might wonder you know why why was this guy not playing and so that that's something that could play in the Blazers favor in terms of his price, you know, but I'm sure smart teams are, are pretty aware of how they've been since, you know, Harkless, uh, gone in the, in the starting lineup, uh, yeah, he's been great. I've really been impressed. I mean, he stepped up and made some shots tonight, which was just like, you know, he's not a good shooter. He's not he but I mean, he works on it, but you know, he's not he's shooting like 25% or something this year and uh he started hitting some shots and I think he just has a lot of confidence right now. Uh the way he is able to kind of even post up on JJ Redick, which is something that you know, he kind of struggled with early on in the season where they tried to have him post up, it didn't really work well, but now you know, he just he's just confident. So, I think that yeah, no, I think his, his stock is going up and I think, you know, the Blazers, you know, are probably gonna want to keep him and Crab and and maybe even Henderson if they if they can keep them all for the right price.
1: You know, speaking of upcoming free agents, and you touched on it a little bit, but uh, we went back and forth with Dane on the last episode. How do you think Myers Leonard would impact this series? Do you think if Portland has him, they're at least tied one one going in uh, to Portland, or is it just fans reacting. Oh, Portland lost by 20 plus points. They didn't have Myers. He obviously would have been the difference.
2: I I mean, I can I can almost say I can definitely say that they wouldn't be shooting what they're shooting from 3. I, I they definitely be shooting the 3 better. I mean, I know Myers I mean, Myers shot started the season really poorly, but he started he shot the ball like, you know, very well after that, you know, really rough start. And I just think that, you know, uh I don't think he would have made All of the difference, but like you see their bench getting killed tonight, and 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 you you got to think to yourself, what are they missing? And they're missing a shot maker. I mean, I mean Myers really spaced the floor for them, and Davis was a really nice compliment. And you know he he's going to get paid. I mean, I know that people are going to. It's just a question of whether the Blazers think that it paying him is going to be worth it. I think really that this market is going to get him at least 10 million dollars maybe 15 million dollars and that's i mean that's just the market i just think it's a it's a tough question because he he means more to portland than he probably means to any other team that would be offering him
1: money making shots would have helped but i think even more would have helped damian lillard because uh, we saw countless times he went to the basket even missed a bunny layup but he's had his shot eaten up a bunch of times by deandre jordan trying to get that quick little scoop to the glass if myers is in the game deandre is probably not anywhere near that paint Mm -hmm. um if he's if he is near the paint myers is shooting a three so he's got to you know pick his poison so i think damian lillard really would have benefited from having myers leonard so then if you've got damian going it's probably a whole different series up i think if myers is there portland they probably might have got this game tonight. I don't think they game one would have made a difference. We play too poorly on the defensive end, but we made a lot of adjustments. And just like shooting free throws is contagious, if one person starts hitting from the outside, other people start hitting from the outside. You start picking up your defense. You start it, basketball is such a rhythm game. It's all based on momentum and flow. And all it really would have take taken was just a couple of shots to go down. And uh, you got to believe that Myers would have. He's You know, probably Portland's third or fourth best three-point shooter set. Maybe one of the best.
0: Yeah, I mean, he would have been a great release foul for Damien. Especially when he got blitzed by DeAndre. If it was Myers shooting, the spacing would be better. Myers can actually pass. It would be an easier way to set up that offense.
1: Yeah, you watch when Damien brings the ball up the court. Chris Paul is on him, like a straitjacket, and as soon as he crosses half-court and gets in between half-court and the three-point line, DeAndre is already up there. He just doesn't even pay any attention to Ed Davis or Mason Plumley, and that's because neither is a perimeter threat, and that's Portland's offense right there. If you can cut the head off the snake, you're going to make for a long night, and that's what the Los Angeles Clippers have done for two games in, in the Staples Center. But uh, moving forward to Game 3, Eric, I want to get your thoughts. What is the number one thing the Trailblazers have to do if they are to make this a series?
2: I mean, I think we've said it like five times. They got to make shots. They have to make three pointers. They have to space the court for Dame. They have to space the court for CJ. They've got to get DeAndre, and they've got to get DeAndre out of the paint. I mean, they've got to do something to make them pay for all these traps and you know all the help that they're sending. I just think they've, they've got to make them pay somehow. Uh, and you know all that's you know all that stuff you're saying about Myers, and you know it, it, it's a bummer that they don't have him. Uh, for for this series because I think it would be a lot better I think it would be a more competitive series but it also makes me think hey that they should probably just try that five perimeter players thing because what else can they do to get DeAndre away from there where to to stop bothering Damien? you know I think that's the other thing that's the other aspect of it is if they can get Dame rolling and Dame can start hitting those those pull up threes where they have to start covering him as soon as he crosses half court you know then it becomes a completely different series and I think once he starts rolling like you said then everybody else gets rolling and uh yeah I think making shots is the number one thing for them in in game three and I think being home will help that uh I'm I'm looking forward to that game I'm looking forward to see you know what kind of like the stuff they do at the back end of the rotation I think I think Plumlee played well enough tonight that I don't think they're going to change it they they shouldn't change the starting lineup uh so yeah I'm looking forward to it guys
1: yeah, no, Palmley should definitely stay. He was great at initiating the offense. Uh, my keys, bench points. They don't have to outscore the Clipper bench, but they got to keep it within five points. You cannot get outscored 43 to 10 and expect to win the game. Second, I said it last podcast, I'll say it this one again, 15 made threes. Portland makes five tonight. They they just need to get it rolling from threes. They are a three-point shooting team. They You know, the old adage, live by the three, die by the three. That's exactly what this team does. They're going to have to start living by it in Portland. And lastly, the Blazer backcourt has to start clicking. When your two best players are struggling, you can't really expect a bunch of role players who were, for a lack of a better word, castaways from their other teams to pick up the slack and win a road game against an elite team out west. Uh, You look at the first two games for Dame and CJ, and these are combined. They've combined for 63 points. 32.8% 32.8% shooting from the field, only six made threes between the two players out of 26 attempts. That's 23%, 19 assists and 12 turnovers. That is not going to get it done when you have arguably a top three backcourt in the NBA. Those players need to combine for probably 50 points for Portland to win. And they need to hit on probably like seven threes. And, um, Portland, their whole season has, has rode on the shoulders of, of those two young guards. And they haven't really played together fantastic. It would be one game Dame, one game CJ. Uh, the game earlier in Utah when they outscored their backcourt 62-13 to 13 or 16, that was one of the few times they were both clicking. If Portland really wants to make this a competitive series, they both got to start clicking. So those are my three keys. Um, Sage, what are you looking for in Game 3? Do you got a win or a loss?
0: I feel like it has to be a win because you're at the game, but
1: to I,
0: I really don't want to read all of the negative text from you at the game, but <laughs> the main thing is being consistent. Instead of going 3-3 three, three for 10, go 5 or 6 for 10. That Those points are going to, being consistent is going to help this team. It's going to put less pressure on the two guards. Just be consistent, and I mean, since it's a home game, the, the, the fringe players will actually play better. But I just want to see consistency out of our
1: team. So you got a win or a loss, Sage. Uh, I, I, I think it
0: I think it's gonna be a win.
1: Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. I'm gonna I'm, my blind optimism will go for a win. Anybody who watched these first two games probably would call me crazy, but uh I think it has to be a win. They need to quit bucking this trend of going down 0-3 in series. Um you know, since Dame hit that point oh nine shot against Houston. Portland is just two and 10 in the postseason with an average margin of of defeat of 16 points. And in the series against Memphis and in San Antonio, they got down Oh three in both series. Let's not have that trend. Let's actually force a a game five. Let's bring it back to Los Angeles, tied it to, but it starts on Saturday. And I do think the fans will be, be ready. I think the time off will help. It'll only get you energized going to the game. Um, I know just talking about the game has already gotten me excited about going, uh, Saturday night. Um, Eric, who is an X factor for Portland? If they are to win the game, which player needs to have a big night in your mind? Uh, you know, I'm going to piggyback
2: off of what you kind of said in that last keys. Ninu obviously is the easy answer here, but, um, I think the, the major key here, the major, the big major key, obviously shout out to DJ Khaled is, is what you said. I mean, Damon and CJ haven't had that game yet where the games that they've had throughout the year, where they carried the team kind of put them on their back. I mean, this is the playoffs are about, your, You know, that's what they always say, you know, the Blazers came in, their strength was as depth, but the, your stars have to carry you, and, and, Damian, and C, Damian and CJ haven't had that game yet where they kind of put the team on their back, so I think it's, you know, that's the good news if you're a Blazer fan, but the bad news is that, you know... They just haven't really done anything yet to inspire that that's going to happen. Uh, ben Goliver, as I'm sure you guys saw, had that killer stat about Damian Lillard uh, that he is 12 for 68, 17 percent shooting from three since the .9 game-winning shot against the Rockets. Uh, you'd like to think that he and CJ will have a game soon, but I think that that's the, probably the biggest X factor because if they can get that going, I, I think it's you know. It, I, I I'm sorry to ruin the segment of the X factor here. I'm, I'm ruining no, it's it.
1: true. It's a domino effect. Once one person starts hitting the other was in, especially when you're at home, the crowd's going to feed off of that. Um, it's totally a snowball, uh, effect, especially in Portland. But, uh, let's go to some fan questions before we wrap up the podcast. We have one from one of my favorite listeners, a uh, long story longer. She wants to know, usually one guy has an off night at times. What's with so many guys not being able to make open shots.
2: I think I think you answered it, you know, it's that domino effect. Guys don't see other guys hitting shots and then they just don't feel it, you know. And I I, I, I think it's kind of all gone in their heads. I think they're all frustrated. I think Damien is frustrated. I know that he you know shrugs things off and kind of you know is able to play through things but it's clear that he's frustrated i mean he's not getting good shots he's not making the open ones that he's getting he's working really hard and i think all the blazers are working really hard and then they're not making the shots and then they get discouraged and i think that you know it is a domino effect like you said and i i think if they could just make some shots but you know that's the Clippers have gotten in their heads, I think at least a little bit. And, and, and it's been good defense. It's not like, you know, they, they're, you know, doing anything, you know, weird. They're just, you know, they're just, just playing good defense and bothering them.
1: Yeah, I completely, yeah. Agree. It, it looks like just because the Blazers lose by 20 plus doesn't mean they're not playing hard. I think there was one instance where Terry Stotts called timeout right away uh, early in the second quarter and they, they weren't, they were a little lackadaisical, but for the mm-hmm. most part, they were busting their ass and, it just sometimes you have an off night unfortunately, it happened in game two when the clippers left the door open, but you gotta move on and lastly, we have uh two questions from uh Larry at t b twenty two he wants to know uh at blazer banter the blazers have a lot of players who look afraid to shoot. Do you want to put in someone like Montero who wants to shoot, or do you think uh the stage is a little too
0: absolutely not yeah I mean isn't he an undrafted rookie yeah. Why would you want to put an undrafted rookie in, like, the most pressure-filled situation?
2: I don't think this is, uh, I think, I think, I I think, I think this is. We're not there yet. Yeah, no, I think. I I think think it's it's creative.
0: I think we have to be creative to do well, but not that creative. Like.
2: Yeah. Well, I think you guys both touched on it, too. Like, role players generally thrive better off the crowd energy. They shoot better at home. Like, let's see, you know, if if all those guys still can't shoot when they get back to the Moda Center, then fine. You know, throw Montero in there like when they threw in Will Barton against the Spurs when they were down 3 0, and it was just like, whatever.
1: Got us a win.
2: Yeah, exactly. Got the, the, you know, so what, I mean, I'd say wait till then, but I think uh, Crab and Aminu in particular have earned another shot because they would not be in the playoffs if those guys couldn't hit threes. I mean, the Blazers, I think I did this stat the other day in one of my weekend reviews that they were the only team in the league that had four guys to hit a hundred threes or more and Crabbe and Aminu were those two guys. So if they don't step up at home, then I mean, they're totally screwed. And so I just think that that's what it's going to come down to other than CJ and Dame. I think, you know, Aminu is first on that list and then Crabb is second on that list. And I think that, you know, the second unit not getting, I mean, I, I, I can't believe that Crabb has just been taken out of his game by Jamal Crawford. Like, it, like he's being guarded by Jamal Crawford and they're like, not getting him the ball. You know, I know that Crabb is not like an ISO player, but like they haven't gotten anything going off the ball for him. I just, you know, maybe make him more of a focal point. I know Gerald Henderson has been a really solid player and can create shots for himself, but, you know, if there's a way they can get Crabb going, you know, I, I think they've got to they've got to do that. I, I just you know, the problem is, is that he nor Henderson can really initiate the offense. So maybe that's where the Brian Roberts thing comes in.
1: Do you think playing in his hometown of Southern California, Los Angeles, to be exact, has put too much pressure on Alan Crabb? I know he was looking forward to it. There was articles about him smiling, you know, meeting his family. But that can go one of two ways. You can either thrive on it or you can really feel the pressure and that can let it get to you. Do you think that has any effect on his game?
2: You know, AC seems like a guy that doesn't really let anything affect him. You know, he's he's cool breeze. He just kind of keeps it moving. But, uh, you know, there, the, he was really excited about this series. Like, I've never seen him as animated as he was in the lead-up to the series. I mean, he was really excited to be playing in L.A., so I think maybe there is a chance that it could have gotten into him just because, you know, like I said, I mean, AC is really a calm guy who doesn't really like – you know, have emotions one way or the other and he was really jacked about this series and he just, you know, I'm sure it's killing him that he's playing this badly.
1: Uh last question again from from Larry. He wants to know Blazer banter, uh Vonley may not have the experience, but he is the only one with the size to guard Griffin. He doesn't think that uh, Aminu or Harkless will cut it. Uh, we saw Vonley start what, 70, 65 plus games, really been taken out of the rotation. He didn't really show uh, a great shot in the season, but he does have a nice stroke. Again, is he a guy like Montero, where if it goes down O three, you throw him in there, or do you look to give him some minutes to see if he can hit that mid range shot?
2: Uh, I mean, in theory, right? He's the perfect guy. You know, he really is. It's just that that shot, right? And and now like. He's a good ball handler, and if if they're staying off uh, staying off of him, you'd like for him to kind of drive the lane and take it to the basket. You know, it it might be an option that Stotts goes to again uh, after trying Kamen in Game One. I'm just offensively, he can't. I just don't. I think. I, I think more impo- Most importantly, he just doesn't have the confidence in his own jump shot to knock it down right now. And so I just don't. I, I'm not even sure you waste it it right now. I, I'm not even sure you go there just because I think. I think really their one advantage I thought coming in was how many wings they had and how many you know, I thought Crab was part of that, but he hasn't been so far. But I think they've gotta try and go with the wings here. Stop trying to make your big men people that they're not and just and just go with all the wings. I think Von Ley would be a great option in theory and maybe in a couple of years he will be the guy, you know, for a situation like this. So he's just not it right now. So I think they just gotta trust you know, their best players and all their best players are pretty much perimeter guys outside of Plumlee.
1: All right. Before we wrap up this podcast, I want to get your thoughts around the NBA on a couple other series. First off, if you're golden state, are you concerned at all about Curry's ankle moving forward?
2: I just no cuz you just rest him and you know the, I, I mean I, it would be a concern if they needed him but they don't you know they <laughs> they're talking I mean they're they're disrespecting Houston so much it's so funny but uh uh no I wouldn't be worried I think they're fine you know he says he can't play but like I mean so what if this series goes 5 or 6 you know there's still you know it, as long as he's okay that that's all that matters
1: Dallas, after getting shellacked by 30-plus in Game 1, comes back and steals a thriller in OKC in Game 2. Do they have a chance in this series, or is it still going to be six games and out? You
2: know, it's just kind of funny. I think you saw the difference. What experience gets you in the playoffs, right? You know, the Blazers are probably a more talented team. And the, the the Mavericks are just more well coached and have more guys that have been there before and they stepped up and won that game. I think they go six games I think Oklahoma City just I'm just you know I, I really I was really hoping that maybe this would be the year that they can kind of get it together but it's just like Billy Donovan has done nothing for the late game offense they've done nothing to change anything and so um you know they'll probably win, they'll win this series but I don't think they're going to go much further and I mean KD could leave.
1: Did you hear Stanley Johnson's comments tonight about, yeah. quote-unquote, being in LeBron's head even though LeBron had a monster night and Detroit took a commanding 2-0 lead? Uh, what's Cleveland. the young What's Cleveland the young took, rook doing?
0: Cleveland took a commanding 2-0. Yeah,
1: Cleveland
2: did, yeah. yeah. Okay. He's, he's taking a page from the Lance Stevenson manual, which, like, that's never a good manual to take pages from. I don't know what he's doing. I mean, he's just a rookie and he just got like LeBron's putting up numbers on you. You're not in his head. Like, and you're, you're down. Oh, two.
1: You're the, you're the eighth seed. And like you said, I don't know why you would rile up a superstar. Those guys, they probably have played more games than you'll ever think of. So it might take them a little much to get motivated, but just like MJ, a little spark and they're ready to go. Last question How about the Miami Heat? Are they a legit threat to dethrone the Cleveland Cavaliers out of the Eastern Conference? Hey, I don't
2: think Cleveland is, uh, you know, LeBron has been much better recently, so he'll probably make us all look stupid for saying this, but I think Miami really does have a chance. I I think Whiteside is an evolved version of what Roy Hibbert was for LeBron back in the day back in the day like two years ago and uh you know Whiteside, side you know he's a monster like people i think people that don't watch miami a lot are just realizing how much of a monster he is and then all of a sudden they can shoot and they have all these wings they found this josh richardson guy out of nowhere (laughs) they got joe they got joe johnson uh, in free agency and winslow is a is a beast i mean they have a They have a lot of guys they can throw at LeBron. A lot of guys they can throw at Kyrie, you know. And and I think Love, you know, you play Joe Johnson at four, and and Love's got to cover him, or you Love's got to deal with Whiteside in the middle. Like, I mean, that's that's an interesting series. I mean, I think Miami's got a great chance to beat Cleveland. Uh, I really do. I don't think it's you know I don't think it's just you know trying to make a story and trying to make the East interesting. I think that I think the Heat really have a chance there.
0: I agree and- with you. But what do you think about the ch- the chance that Whiteside becomes a Blazer? Would you would you be cool with that? Or I
2: think that'd be a great move for the Blazers if they if that was at all. At I all mean, if, that, if that was at all possible. I mean, I guess the 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 scenario you have to hope for is Durant goes to Miami, then they can't sign Whiteside. Because of all the crazy contracts they've got. Because they've got Bosch, I think. I'm pretty sure they can't can't do Durant and Whiteside. I'm pretty sure. Or they have to sign Durant first and then Whiteside. So maybe you can be like, hey, they're going after Durant. They don't care about you. Come with us. And they don't have
1: his bird rights either.
2: Right, it's this weird thing. So yeah, it, 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 so like, I don't know how they can do it. With so you have to hope maybe that Durant goes there, um, and 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 then that is a, a viable possibility. Because I, I mean, I, on I mean, if if you're comparing, it's it's not exactly the same. But I mean, if you're saying. We can either pay Myers Leonard fifteen million dollars, or we can max out Hassan Whiteside. I think you know what the answer is there. I think maxing out Hassan Whiteside is it makes much more sense. I just, you know, I, I think that'd be interesting. Uh, well, I mean, what do you guys think of? Um, what do you guys think about sh- throwing like a short term max at Dwight Howard? I know he's looked terrible against the Warriors, but like...
1: My look- thing with Dwight is not on the court. He had that, I don't know, and I saw it on Twitter the other day, and I, you might not have to answer this because of your status as a beat writer, but I want to throw this out there. How did he beat the rap of hanging out in hotels with underage girls? That's that sketch to me. Um, I don't want to go down that path again. So for that alone, until that gets cleared up, I, I would walk away. That does get cleared up. If Dwight wants to take a two-year contract, I would do it if we're just talking on the court specifically. Just because I don't know why Houston's not giving him the ball every possession in Golden State. It's not like Andrew Bogut is going to stop him. If that's That's one weakness Golden State has is a big guy can go in there and do work, but you've just got such a dysfunctional team that they're not even looking to play with one another. And that's how you have to that's how that's the NBA it's it's a it's a beautiful game when five players are all clicking and they know what each other wants and they are they are all looking out for themselves and uh so Dwight does have a bad rap of being like a coach killer and not leaving his last situation very uh well off so yeah you know, I think McHale
2: yeah I mean McHale did come out I think Harden you know, McHale kind of basically said when he was on TNT that Harden was a little bit more of the problem. He didn't blame anything on Howard. You know, Howard showed up in shape and and seemed, you know, to, to really care. I think at this stage of his career, I think, I mean, this is strictly speaking basketball, obviously. I think at this point in his career, I know that he gets a bad rap for being really immature and all that stuff. But I just think at this stage of his career, he just wants to win. You know, I think he just wants to win. I think he just wants to feel included. I think he just wants to feel like he's part of something. And I think Dame and CJ, especially Dame, would, would make him feel like that. And, you know, he looked really good last year, and he looked really good at times. I, I think if the Blazers could get him, keep Plumley, make his load in the regular season lighter, you know, I think that would be an intriguing option because, you know, Whiteside, you know, if – you know, Whiteside's going to be a max, you know, a max deal, of five years, like the whole shebang. Like you, you got to, or four years at least, because you know the Blazers can't give him five. But you know, it's going to be a long-term deal for Whiteside that's going to get him here. So you know, that, that's another option they 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 might you know need to entertain. So uh, I think they have an interesting summer ahead, mm-hmm. uh, and decisions uh, with all the wings and and Myers.
1: Yeah, I think Portland has to go big this summer. Uh, I would love to see them find more Aminus and Ed Davises uh, under the radar guys who nobody else really thought of. But Dame's heading into his prime pretty soon. It's time to win now. We don't want to waste his prime years. Terry Porter was on, um, not Terry Porter, excuse me, Damon Stoudemire was on, I think, 1080 a few weeks ago when he talked about the 30 for 30 with the jailblazers, And he said Portland is, is taking years off of his basketball life and having him carry that load. Damon experienced that same thing in Toronto. He got some of those years back when Portland was loaded in the, the early 2000s and late 90s. Portland needs to add more talent. They need to light, lighten Dame's load, uh, get those legs a rest so he can play well into his 30s and carry this franchise deep into the playoffs. So if I'm Neil O'Shea... Whether you like it or not, you're going to have to uh, fast forward this rebuild process and start getting some players 28, 29, 30 in their primes now that are ready to go and ready to win with Dame right now.
2: Yeah, it'll be interesting. uh, You know who who they who they think could do that that they already have on their roster right now. I mean, you got to remember also Crab and Harkless, you know, both really, really young. So you've got to, you know, think that they can get better. And a guy like Henderson, who's in his prime, you know, maybe get a short-term deal with him because, you know, the guys really like him. You know, he's really connected well with Damian. You know, he's kind of a savvy vet does vet things like, you know, gets a little sneaky elbow into a guy, you know, n- knows where to, you know, get his shot from. I mean, he, you know, he he's a good guy to to have around and he's really brought a lot, you know, to this team. Uh, you know, they have a really interesting summer. I, it, it, I, I'd i be in, in, interested to see who they could go after. Whiteside, obviously, is probably the most interesting name. Uh, but, you know, because they clearly have a hole at center. Uh, I think, though, you know, they can probably move forward, though. I think this Aminu at power forward look could be permanent. You know, I think Aminu and Harkless being power forwards is something they can move forward with. I think that's a pretty solid position. I think they really just kind of need to look at uh, center. And, and you know, maybe Von, you never know what Von like could turn into. You know, he could be maybe one day he could maybe one day be that center, you know. But, you know, he he needs to show considerable improvement. But I agree with you. I think. They need to start getting winning players, veteran guys, that, that can make an impact that they don't have to wait on.
1: Needle movers. Needle movers, exactly. And I would be patient with Von Le. We dealt a guy by the name of Jermaine O'Neal a few years ago who was young, just buried on the bench. And I know Von is getting playing time, but he, this is really his rookie year. So let's yeah. be patient with these guys. Um, he's, 20, he's younger
2: than – I. The, 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 the stat I always like to throw out there, he's a, he's a full month younger than Porzingis.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> So, so and even though he was drafted in the draft before, he's younger than him. So just, you know, relax on bonley I mean, he's, every, he's
1: so young. Not every rookie is going to be Carl Anthony Towns or Damian Lillard or Anthony Davis. That's, they don't grow on trees. So you have hey. to be patient with these guys. We're podcasting late. Guys, it is a uh, quarter after midnight, getting real late. Uh, so we're going to wrap this one up. Big thanks again to... Eric Gunderson, you can check all of his stuff out over at The Columbian. Hit him up on Twitter, at Banter, and you have a podcast as well. Uh, why yeah. don't you uh, shout that out for for our listeners?
2: Yeah, it's the Bulls versus Blazers NBA podcast. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes. I host it with Sean Hyken, my buddy who covers the Bulls out in Chicago and works for NBC's Pro Basketball Talk. So we, we have a podcast that we do actually a couple times a week. Sean's out here right now, so we're doing some live podcasts. Uh, You know, he's covering the playoffs, so we're going to be doing a lot of that stuff. Um, You know, we look around the NBA, but, you know, right now, especially in the playoffs, uh, we're going to have lots of Blazer focus. So, you know, once they're done listening to Holy Backboard, come over to the Bulls versus Blazers.
1: Excellent introduction song, by the way. You have Bust a Bucket. We have two out to stop it. Uh, We definitely need to get more Blazer rap songs back in the mix. It it was obviously the reason why we made two trips to the finals, so we get more, maybe in time for game three, and we can just uh, ride that wave of momentum all the way to the finals. But that's probably just the midnight Dustin talking. It's it's (laughs) late. It's been a long day. Let's go Blazers. Podcasting after
2: dark. Podcasting after dark.
1: dark. Let's win game three and bring this series back to LA, tied at two games apiece. But it starts with game three. If you're going to go Be there, be loud, be proud.